No one will be admitted after the guests check in. Funky loving, but loving, gonna stick it in your poo oven. Funky loving, but humping, gonna give your starfish a pumping. That's my song. That was better than the most recent songs I've done. Yeah. By a lot. <laughs> it's not hard. Yeah. When you set the bar low, it's easy to jump over. Welcome to Motel Hell. I am Ben the Beardo, and sitting across from me... Dr. Dicko with the sicko prescripto. Yeah. <laughs> Wearing a full ski mask. And I glasses. And glasses. I can't see his nose. That's true. I'm uh, trying to hide myself from you, the audience, and also the government who's tracking my every movement because they're so thirsty for them. Trying to stay away from Facebook's metaverse. Yeah, but I couldn't. They claimed they weren't going to record my face and my head turns... And use it for biometrics or identification in the future, but I'm pretty sure I'm doomed. Then why did they need it? Right. They said they wanted to know I was a real person, so I tried to do it with a ski mask, and they said no. Mm. We should have tried it with Eddie. That would have really been funny. <laughs> it would have been really good. Your account's been suspended. <laughs> wow, okay. Because you're dead. Yeah, we did our best. So. Isn't it crazy, guys? Three episodes? In the course of a month. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's almost like we're back to recording regular. It's crazy. It is. I have no idea what we're talking about tonight. That's true. But it's okay, because you do know what we're talking about first, and that's Chef Boyardee. Now, uh, Suspiria, the Italian version of SpaghettiOs. Suspiria. Yeah. Now I get it. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, tonight will be actually... Revisiting three different things we've discussed on three different episodes. And we're going to start. There is a theme. The theme is dead young women. <laughs> and not to put too fine a point on it, but uh, yeah. So I thought, first of all, I just got a new 4K Blu-ray player. And I bought myself Suspirian 4K like nine months ago, thinking I could that my PS4 could handle that, and apparently it couldn't since it's been sitting on my shelf collecting dust, so we finally got to watch it. We planned a day. Like, that was... We were like, we're gonna watch both Suspirias. It's gonna be so good. And then we couldn't watch the original. I think that was, like, right around the time we did our Pulse episode. Could have been the same night. It could have been... No, I think we've no. done that. But, anywho, so for those who don't know or remember our episode from quite literally four years ago, it's... <laughs> From December of 2017 was the first time we covered Suspiria on the podcast. Suspiria is a film by Dario Argento from 1977. Who? Dario Argento. He's a uh, Spanish conquistador. No, he's an Italian horror director who we've discussed on this show many times in our Giallo episode. I like to call him Danny Silverillo. Yeah, in our various movie reviews, etc. I apologize, my dogs are barking because they know we're recording. But Suspiria is, I think, many people's entry point into Italian horror and Dario Argento both. It's it's definitely got to be top three most famous Italian horror films, I would say. It's possibly one of the most beautifully shot horror movies yeah. of all time. And beautiful looking. Um, it's really, it's, I mean, if you're listening to this, you've probably seen it, so... But basically, Susie Banyan comes to Germany to join an elite dance academy, and she gets there, and from the jump, it's grim and foreboding and weird and uh, surreal to a certain point, and uh, students keep getting offed, and maggots start showing up in the ceiling, and people are making her drink blood, and her teachers, and her, the, I guess, admin, for lack of a better word, are... Real pushy. 
there's hyper realistic bats. There's hyper realistic bats. Rooms uh, with razor wire. Razor wire rooms upstairs because you gotta. And uh, you know, basically, Jinlei she's just trying to make her way through this dance academy, but it's a whole freak show. And uh, the thing that I think is sort of important about it is that, again, being, I, I, I would wager that it's probably the number one entry into both giallo and Italian horror and Argento. I think it's the most, especially in the U.S. at least, I feel like it's the most famous Argento film. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It's probably the most well-known. Yeah. Yeah. And having a big, well, I guess, big. it's not a big budget sequel, but it's not a shoestring budget sequel. And it wasn't like this was an underfunded movie. I mean, by the time Argento did this, he was like six movies in and was had already proven himself to be an extremely effective director at the box office's turn as far as receipts go. The thing that's interesting about it in part is that I saw it and was like, oh, this is a giallo. Now I've seen a giallo. But like, it's not really a giallo in really. a lot of ways. I mean, there's some amateur sleuthing and uh, there are black gloves and there are street racers and you know, young women get killed, but it's really more of a fantastical horror movie than it is. Supernatural thriller. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. But it has, the thing that I think makes it distinct is two things. The use of Technicolor slash Eastman color in filming it, uh, it was, is famous for its extremely vivid, intense primary color usage. Like, I mean, especially red, uh, but all the colors show up and they all just like knock your socks off and the soundtrack by Goblin, which is one of their best scores for sure. Which we got to see live. Yeah, it was fucking sick. And I forgot the other thing I was going to say, but, um, clock tower. Yeah. Clock tower riffs on it, which I guarantee you we did not talk about last time we talked about this movie. No, we had not played clock tower yet. Because Clock Tower primarily riffs from Phenomena, but uh, yeah, I, I I lost my train of thought. I did have some further point to make, but needless to say, it's an absolute classic of Italian horror, and I think that's pretty indisputable. I agree. I would say it's not my favorite Argento movie, and I've said this on here before many times, but re-watching it now, especially going from a DVD copy that I have had for many years before the last time we watched it, which was fine, but the two upgrades are both, it's not just the quality of the image, but the, it's this clarity of the lines, like the detail. I never realized when you see her dead friend at the end laying there that she has pins through her eyes. Like yeah. you literally couldn't see that in the DVD copy. And so seeing those kinds of details and the extremely rich color palette, but done in a way that doesn't look like wildly oversaturated to the point of losing definition in the shapes and stuff was amazing. But the biggest thing was that the, 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 um, audio tracking on the DVD copy is extremely thin for the most part. And it also has extreme volume differences between the music and the, the spoken word. What do you call it? The, uh, dialogue dialogue yeah and we got uh, there yeah it's just was so brutal to watch because it was one of those movies where you just constantly had to turn it down turn it up turn it down turn it up turn it down and this is i mean it's still kind of like that which is i think in part a design choice but it sounded so fucking good when we were watching and i was just like so yeah i just can't believe we finally watched the 4k yeah <laughs> but what, what are your thoughts on suspiria now four years later I feel like watching the Blu-ray made me notice certain things I had not noticed before. Uh, I don't know how many times we've watched that movie and how many times we've gone back and forth between the English dub and the Italian dub. I never realized how many of the actors are actually speaking English in it, number one. Number two, I also never noticed how... Like, certain things about the set design, mm -hmm. like how the doors are so much larger than all of the people. Mm -hmm. And how it almost, it, 
like forced perspective for like a lot of the hallways and stuff. It just a lot of wide angle shots yeah. inside to give that disorienting drooping on the edges look. Yeah, it's just so it was it's it's such a great transfer. Yeah. And it it's it's the the nice thing is like Argento's films all have their own sort of specific and uh unusual internal logic as to like how we get from point A to point B to point Z and you know his early movies being more traditional giallo like they still have those windy narratives but they're not nearly as cryptic as some of his later stuff phenomena being one of my favorites because it's just like you're just going places and you're yeah. kind of like why i mean it it's not such a baffling film but it's a little bit like i'm just rolling with it um and this kind of hits that nice middle ground i think of um one of the good things about Suspiria, one of the best things about it, I would say, is that it has a tighter running time and it, it stays pretty consistently engaging. I like Deep Red is it's tough to pick a favorite Argento, but it's it's the one that is like the most comfort food to me because it was the first one I bought and have watched it many, many times. And that movie is fucking long. Like it's I think a full two hours yeah. with the mixed up uh English and Italian like sort of complete version and it really slows down in sections like there's just no murder for really long periods of time but david hemmings is so fucking wonderful and daria nicolati in that movie is so charming and the music is so good that like i don't even care because them just doing things is like i'll just keep watching this this is wonderful but uh yeah this is definitely a way better movie to put on for your friends at a halloween party than deep red which is uh sort of the the pacing of the movie reflects the jazziness of the soundtrack if that makes sense like it's i wouldn't call it languid but it's it it's a sort of deliberate slower pace it takes its time to like wind and groove you know yeah i'd definitely say comparatively suspiria is the crowd pleaser sure it'd be the one that we'd show at one of our parties versus deep red would be like the late night movie yeah. Or, like, the very early in the day movie. Or the after part. Yeah, yeah, definitely early in the day. The one I would say that we've watched the least, because neither of us own it, but is is one of the other really extremely good highlights, is Tenebrae. I have it on Laserdisc, yeah. but my Laserdisc player is broken. That was the last movie I ever watched on it. And Tenebrae is just, like, rip-roaring fun. Yeah, and I love Tenebrae, and I kept meaning to buy that goddamn Mondo poster. Oh, yeah. Because I had it up on the website forever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'll maybe. Never did. Yeah, and here we are. Yeah. Want to pay four times the price? No. Nope. So, so yeah, so that's uh, Suspiria. I would say I'm pretty positive this is the first time I've watched it since we watched it for the podcast four years ago. I definitely was able to, A, pay more attention tonight, and B, enjoy it in general, like not worrying about riding the volume button and just really being able to see it. Like, it, it it's the same as... Um, I recently finally watched my Blu-ray copy of Blood and Black Lace, which is also mm. a very like primary color heavy film, and it is like not like it is d- difficult. I mean, it it's almost uh, it's like obtuse the way that the the visuals bleed together. I can't think of the right word for it, but it is quite difficult to discern what's happening in the DVD copy that I had, which was. Like, adequate, but then I watched the Blu-ray and I was like, this is a different film. This is fucking amazing. And also has, uh, what's-his-face from um, Cameron Mitchell, you know, yep. is, the, is the main guy in it, which is just fun. But I mean, it's, it's one of those things, right, because we're at that point where it's, you and I even, like, <clears throat> I really love uh, 28 Days Later, mm-hmm. but... The way that movie is shot and the cameras they shot it on, it's a little bit harder for me to watch nowadays because it looks so unclean. Yeah. And, you know, once I get a 4K TV, I'm just going to have to throw out all my goddamn Blu-rays again. Yeah. Stupid. Yeah. So, that's uh, that's Suspiria by Argento. Check it out if you haven't, but you probably already have. And if you have the ability to watch one of the more recent um rescans of the negatives and stuff like that even if it's not 4k it's really these things make uh, huge improvements and i 
I hate to be one of those people that's like, oh, actually, you got to see it in the restore. But it's like, it's fucking true. I mean, it's why I used to always buy Criterion. Like, they have great transfers. And they make, even if you own the DVD copy versus the Blu-ray, it looks so good. Yeah, I mean, that's the th- it's one of those things, especially in today's day where you can find most things streaming, but the digital quality is never going to be as good as even the Blu-ray quality no. and definitely not the 4K quality. Yeah. I don't care if you you doubt if you stream the 4K UHD version, if you have a physical disc of that it's going to look better and if you guys don't own Suspiria or only own a DVD copy or whatever, we highly recommend getting the 4K release cuz it is gorgeous. The box is gorgeous. Yeah. It's nice. They it's one of those ones they haven't screwed up. I was not to get too far afield, but looking at the uh, Severin Black Friday stuff, and I was surprised by how the turn they've taken in design for some of the new box art is just not good and uh, interesting. But yeah, this is this is a classy release all the way around. I haven't even dug into the uh, special features yet. I'm excited for that. So, but. So that brings us to uh, two things I wanted to talk about tonight. Just This is going to be a short episode. We're just doing two updates. Anal and orthodontry. Yes. No. So it was July or August of 2018. We did an episode about unsolved murders. And I covered a young woman who was murdered named Ebby Sepik. And she had just been discovered when I covered the murder, which was two and a half years after the murder. And so I had been following the story already for like a year or so when I covered it then. Uh, and I've got an update on that. And then there's also an update on Toya Cordingly's murder. And well, not so much the murder, but the suspect they're bringing, gonna, they're trying to extradite from India. Oh. So. You want to give a quick... Uh synopsis of both i'm going to do that yeah so i'm going to i'm going to talk about ebby stepic first and then that'll be a little bit more background and then i will talk about toy accordingly which we covered last i think it was august so of 2020 so you can check out our original discussion of ebby stepic in episode 24 which was released on august 9th 2018 it was like 30 episodes ago. It was. And Toy Accordingly, we discussed last July, episode 52. So if you're interested in hearing more on either of those topics, uh, go back and check out those old episodes after you listen to this one. Feels like a decade ago, and it was only two episodes ago. No, this is episode 57. That was episode 52. Oh. Still feels... I know. Time is a flat circle. Anyways... Okay, so this information is primarily from NBC News, an article from, let's see, October 23rd, 2021. So I'm just going to be quoting primarily from this article, as there's not, in really either of these cases, much in the way of a whole heck of a lot of new information, so it's kind of the same no matter what source you get it from, so... Uh, just as a heads up part of this is I'm going to discuss this whole case because this one's a little far back and there's also things in here I read that I had that were either unclear when I had covered it before uh, or were straight up new right so all right so Eddie Stepik was an 18 year old teenager in Little Rock Arkansas who went missing as of October 25th 2015 you think it was witches it in could Arkansas, have been. like we discussed? That's quite possible. Oh my god. Don't don't say anymore. We don't want this IPID okay. stolen. But so she she disappeared. She was reported missing immediately by her parents, and I'll get into the details of that in a second. Uh, but the cops said, Oh, she hasn't been gone long enough. You have to wait another twelve hours, come back then. And they did. And then they didn't find her for two and a half years. That seems like a long time, Frank. Right. Especially because they found her car within a matter of days and she was 60 feet from her car when they finally found the body. We call that the old whoops-a-doodle. 
Yeah, so I believe the name of our episode last time was Unsolved Murders Incompetent Police Run Amok or something along those lines. Uh, it's not to say that some some whodunits are just real mind blinders and the best cops can't crack them. Uh, but then sometimes you read these facts and you're like, were they trying? Were they fucking trying? The body was found two feet from where the person had disappeared. Also, the murderer was screaming, I did it, covered in the victim's blood. There are still no suspects. Yeah. I do have to say, I was I was looking over old episode titles, and I know this episode doesn't get a lot of love, but you guys should go listen to it. Our episode on the Berlin Massacre, a.k.a. the West German Whoopsie, is by far one of our best episodes and best goddamn titles. It's a good title. I still feel like I didn't do that justice, but... No one cares what you think. I know, that's true. Ebby lived with her mom and stepfather, Lori and Michael Jerengen, in Little Rock. And in the... Yeah. uh, Six months or so prior to her disappearance, she started to basically, like, act out, rebel, go through a lot of changes, change her friends, all this kind of stuff. You mean like a teenager? Exactly. And so they, they, you know, they, they say that like, but it basically, she was 18, she was just about to finish school and they're like, we're not doing this. Like you went from wonderful, easy to deal with, perfect child to hellion. And they, they kicked her out of the house and she was living with her grandmother and at friends' houses and, and her, uh, older stepbrother. I mean, like, what was she doing to warrant being kicked out? Like, coming home drunk occasionally? Was she, like, finger-banging the cat? Like... They don't they don't make it clear. It doesn't sound like it was... Anything too extreme? Yeah, it was, I think, in part, like, she wanted the independence. And the way they describe it is she was chomping at the bit to... Uh, or champing at the bit, right? Isn't that the actual expression? But uh, to to basically get her independence, she's eighteen. She can do that, you know. So yeah, she f- wanted to be a cosmetologist. I feel like if you move out Ooh. of your parents' house at, you know, eighteen and want to make your way in the world, that's probably not going to hugely <laughs> affect your chances to become a successful cosmetologist. What are you going to do with your life? I'm going to cosmetology school. I mean, it's a living. So yeah. Uh, so she she'd been. Moving around and all that kind of stuff, uh, couch surfing. So the day before the she disappeared, um, I want to say the murder because it seems likely that that was the day that she was murdered based on the facts. But, uh, you know, I don't want to... You're not going to have a time of death when you find the body two years later. Right. On October 24th, my sister's birthday, uh, Abby texted her stepfather around... Do you think it was your sister? No, not particularly. Do you have proof it wasn't your sister? Not particularly. So she told her stepfather in a text that she had been raped by a group of men at a party and that the assault had been videotaped. Do you remember this? Yes. I I actually remember this whole thing as soon as you started talking about her being found 60 free from her car. Yeah. Yeah. So she wanted to go with her stepfather to the police to report the incident, and they were going to do it the next day. When this happened, Lori, her mom, and her dad were out to dinner. Her stepdad doesn't tell the mom, just says, like, you know, through text to Ebby, like, okay, like, we'll deal with this. I, you know, I got your back. So Ebby spent the day at her grandparents and then left the house on the 25th uh, at 8 p.m., saying that she was going to go meet Michael. So... She doesn't show up to the police station. She doesn't call Michael. Her grandmother tries to call her. Her dad tries to call her. They all try to talk to her. Now, again, I apologize. This is not super clear. I believe this is all happening on between the 24th and the 25th. It says here that the next evening around 530, she called her brother. So that may have been the 26th, but it may be that this was... It's this could have been uh, you know moving towards the twenty sixth. They say the last time anybody saw her was the twenty fifth, so I guess that's when she left her grandparents' house. And then the last time anybody heard from her was the twenty sixth. It's not entirely clear, but that's this basic timeline. This is all two thousand fifteen. So she called her brother around five thirty, brother Trevor. Uh, she said she was in her car, but she didn't know where she was. 
He recalls that she sounded confused, disoriented, panicked. Uh, and he was trying to get her to say, like, where are you? I'll come get you. I'll help you, whatever. And she eventually hung up. The car, the call went dead. They, they don't make that super clear, but basically the call ended and he wasn't able to find out where she was. Right. So, uh, basically everybody that they, you know, so he tells his parents, Trevor tells his parents, they all start tell, like asking everybody to know where Abby is. Like they're reaching out to her friends. They're reaching out to her friends, friends. They go to the police, uh, to file the report and they say, no, you can't do that. You have to wait 12 hours uh, before we can file the report. So they said they waited. And the moment that they were allowed to do so, they did so, which was at on October 26th in the middle of the night. And that's why I say the timeline doesn't really make sense because it's only six hours, but whatever. So uh, already everybody was trying to find her, you know, even before the cops were helping. They couldn't do it. Uh, eventually, a few days later, her Volkswagen Passat was found in Chalamont Park. Her keys, her phone, her purse, makeup, and contact lenses were scattered inside. Uh, her mom talks specifically about the fact that, like, Abby had worked super hard for basically everything that she had. Like, it was... The cops kept saying, like, oh, she probably just ran away. And they're like, why would she run away and leave her car and leave her shit, like, scattered all over it? Like, it makes yeah. no sense. And so they didn't... They you know, I guess didn't take it as seriously, whatever. They didn't have a body. They didn't, you know, just said, this is what it is. So the case makes national news. They're, they're searching all over the place. They're bringing in some suspects, but nothing really comes of anything. And I have to imagine that her stepfather told the cops like very quickly, like, you know, she told me that she had been raped by a group of guys that had been videotaped that she wanted to press charges. I'm sure they tried to figure out who that could have been. I think that, you know, part of the reason I mentioned the rebellion and her getting kicked out is like, I think that, you know, there was high risk behavior and all that kind of stuff. And it all was happening very rapidly. And I mean, I remember when I started becoming a true wild child, it was like I went from milk toast to cocaine toast very quickly, you know, <laughs> back alley cocaine toast. Yeah, you know. These millennials and their avocados don't know what they're missing. So. Yeah, sure, whatever. I'll touch it. Just give me another snoot. Come on, I need some of that yum yum toast. So, cops keep looking, keep looking. Two and a half years later, basically, they have a, a detective on the case who's looking into this. And he's like, well, have you guys looked over there? And pointed in a random direction from where they found the car, right? Uh, a little and they bit. were all like, no, we haven't. Yeah, so this detective, Tommy Hudson, came in. He was an older detective at Little Rock. He comes into the case in 2017, two years later. He's looking over the case, because now it's in the cold case, you know, unit and all the rest. And he's they're trying to figure it out. And he gets this, you know, he says he got a gut feeling that there was something about where they where her car was parked. Like, she must have been close to that. And there was a storm drain and like a drainage ditch and all this other stuff. And he thought like maybe there could be something in there. So finally, they send cameras into this drainage passage and find that it's blocked on both ends. And they can't tell what the blockage is, but eventually they dig the whole thing up, get like a huge front loader, rip it all out of the ground. And what do they find inside? But Abby Sedgwick. Abby Sedgwick. Stepic. Stepic. Not Sedgwick. As you're thinking Edie Sedgwick. You're getting a little confused here. That's, this is not the factory girl. I apologize. So her remains were found on May 22nd, 2018, 60 feet from where her car was found two and a half years before. I just, I don't know. It's just hard to believe that nobody looked in this storm drain. Yeah, so I think what I had covered at the time was that, you know, the police said they brought cadaver dogs out, but the cadaver dogs probably couldn't smell her because she was either not decomposed enough or the smell of sewage in the area and blah, blah, blah. Her friends and family friends and stuff who were out looking for her after they found the car, they said that they reported to the police that they smelled what they thought was a dead body. And the police were like, ah, it's probably not a dead body. Probably hasn't decomposed enough to smell. Even if she was dead around here. Probably one of them there possums. Yeah. So yeah, but they kind of shit the bed. So earlier this year, Tommy Hudson, the detective who found Abby's body, uh, announced that he was retiring and was uh, no longer obviously going to be working on the case. 
So he's been in contact with the detective who's coming in to work on the case and, you know, claims they've got all the ability and all the rest to, to be able to solve this thing. You know, supposedly they've brought in people for questioning guys and whatnot related that, you know, could have been part of if there was a sexual assault that and then, you know, obviously, I mean, seemingly that would be the motive, right? Like if you know that you sexually assaulted a girl, there's video evidence and she says she's going to go to the police or even if she hasn't said that yet and you think, you know what, I'm not going to take that chance. I'm going to kill this 18 year old girl and stuff her in a drainage ditch. It seems like a pretty reasonable set of circumstances and considering that probably the people in play were most likely teenagers or like, you know, late teens, early 20s, they're idiots. Like, I don't think it's probably any more complicated than that, but apparently whether it's bad questioning, lack of questioning, lack of leads, it's, you know, it could be a random person, but it just seems... I mean, it could have, it, like, she could have just overdosed with someone with her and was all high when she made that call to her brother and then whoever was with her didn't want to go to the cops and fucking chucked her off into the storm drain. I yeah. Mean, it, it It's true. I mean, that could have happened. And because of the level of decomposition of her body when they found her, they say that they, they're treating it as a homicide. Like, they had enough to, to classify it as a homicide as her cause of death, but they haven't released any further details because they don't want to compromise the investigation. And... I have to imagine it's obviously, this isn't like the show Bones. So the other thing, the update about this, so and there isn't much of a huge one other than they are still working the case and this Bruce Maxwell is the detective currently on it and they, having found the body, are, you know, they're still following up and they're still trying to treat it as actively as possible. The only real update about this, I guess, meaningful is awful, which is that her brother Trevor had a massive heart attack at age 35 and died a couple years ago. So sometime between 2018 when we covered this and this, it's not specific as to when he passed. But basically the family says, yeah, we like he he was spending all of his free time before they found her body trying to find it, like going through lots, abandoned lots, abandoned cars, like looking just everywhere he could in the Little Rock area. If he got any kind of tip from anybody, you know, he was like shooting out, driving out to wherever to look at it. Uh, and really just felt, I guess, horrible. And I don't know if responsible, obviously he's not around to ask, but it apparently weighed quite heavy on him and he died of a heart attack. So... The case is still being investigated, and if we ever do have, you know, any kind of investigation that leads to a person of interest, which leads to an arrest and subsequent trial, we will, you know, I I check this every couple months and see, so, that's kind of where we are, so. Yeah, I watched, um, I'm not going to fully go into it, but uh, I can't remember the name of the show, but there's a new true crime show on Netflix, and they talked about the happy face killer and um, just like it's very interesting seeing it's just full on cops talking about it, journalists talking about it, these different cases they also covered uh, Green River Killer in one episode and Eileen Mornos but it's it's really interesting how you know it's easy for us to say like oh they're being idiots about certain things but uh, you know, when you're really trying to solve a case and it's not everything's super clear, it's, it's, it's just, it's very interesting and, you know, maybe we'll do another tr full true crime episode soon or, uh, unsolved mysteries, unsolved murder mm -hmm. episode soon, but that was very interesting. Thank you for, uh, bringing that up and you have more for us, don't you? Frank? I do. So, uh, the other thing I was just going to mention, I think we may have mentioned it already, but, you know, they brought back Unsolved Mysteries, what was that, a year ago, two years ago? Yeah, and they totally copied one of our episodes. Yeah, so, uh, Xavier, and then I can't think of his last name, I know that we have it, uh, listed as Xavier, Renegade, Family, family and Yeah, Family and yeah. Whatever it is. The, the guy in, uh, France who killed his whole family and disappeared and they've never found him. Nope. Um they covered that on Unsolved Mysteries. It was probably like two years after we did that one. Yeah. So they they did a good job, though, I'll say. They did yeah. Not, not as good as ours, but, yeah. you know. 
but yeah, so that's that's one. I mean, you know, obviously it's not like we're picking these cases out of the ether. The internet loves unsolved mysteries, and we love that that show was brought back and and all the rest. But um, it was just kind of funny that they covered that. And there was another one that I I knew something about, but. Yeah, like, I mean, to your point, though, with the the documentary, it is, it's interesting, like, it's easy to build a narrative when you know the ending, but it's surprisingly hard sometimes when there's, like, so many facts, and especially a lot of, a lot of times people are not super forthcoming, or, like, we know witnesses are famously wrong all the time, or all sorts of things. Like, I think about my clients who aren't in a murder trial, and they can't tell me what they did two weeks ago on any given day, like even if I had a specific question for them and would say like, you know, where do you take your kid to lunch? I'd get a 10 minute answer that would be about circus seals. Like it's just a lot of people are really bad relayers of information. So yeah, I honestly don't know what day or date it is most of the time. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, even lawyers famously are shitty at answering questions. You'd say, how old are you? And I would say, Oh, well, I'm just about to be, you know, whatever age. And it's like, that doesn't answer the question. Just tell me your actual age, you know? it's That's most people. Quick story. Frank, how old are we this year? Old enough. No, no, really, how old are we this year? Why? Because I, I, I have a point to make. 34. Right. So, for this entire year, already thought I was 34. Kept thinking you are 35. Uh, thought I was going to be turning yeah. 35 this year. Me too. And where I was like, how old do you... She was like, you're not turning 35. And I was like, no, I am. Frank and I turned 35 this year. And she was like, no, you don't. You're 33. And I was like, it was like daylight savings, but with years. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, COVID. Like, I'm such a fucking idiot. Yeah. Huh. All right. That so, for us. <laughs> like I said, I covered Toy Accordingly last year in July. Uh, Toy Accordingly... <laughs> Now, I just have to uh, laugh in a sort of just the insanity of the world. This is this is the headline for this article from the UK Mail. Parents of murdered dog walker toy accordingly celebrate what would have been her 27th birthday almost three years after her accused killer left his wife, child, and job and fled to India. I don't know why parents of murdered dog, dog walker, walker... Like, I know that a big part of this, the humanization of you know putting a face to toya was her love of the dogs and all the rest of that like that was a thing that she did and we discussed that at length in the episode but it's just like maybe put her name first you know i would say human being first dog walker second or or just have her name and then in the article write about how she loved dogs right i don't know yeah it seems like basic stuff but headlines anymore i i mean i I subscribe to the Washington Post and I have to cancel my subscription because they're like just straight up. I understand that newspaper headlines were the precursors to clickbait. Like they were written ways to make you enticed to read the article. But, you know, we all know what the syntax of like clickbait looks like. And Washington Post articles now look like clickbait. Like it's just. Are you. Wait. Are you. Dick Fetty, are you trying to tell me that. Modern day journalism is trash. Well, it, that's I don't think that that's entirely fair, but it's just you know even what I used to consider sites that were not as not not just the it's not a reputability because the articles are often really good, but it's just like you know they have to pander to the people that read the stuff, and everybody's brains have been so thoroughly destroyed by social media and internet that like that's just they just you know they they understand what they need to do in order for us to even read their article and i'm like so brain fried that i can't get halfway through a news article before i just am like ah, i think i got the gist of it and want to turn it off you know and so it's like it's a sick sad world it's really rough anyways our dog walker toy accordingly <laughs> no See, it feels bad, right? It does feel bad. It feels bad. So uh, she was brutally murdered on Wengeti Beach in uh, October of 2018. So she was she was murdered walking on the beach in a particular section of the beach that was, I guess, famous for 
lots of dirty pervs doing lots of dirty perv stuff there and other bad things happening. And Smacking and, and yanking? Yeah. Yeah, spanking and yanking. And I just want to say, I know I've already said it at least in one other episode, I'm sorry to everyone from Australia. I'm never going to even attempt or closely replicate an Australian accent or pronunciation. I also said that where she lived was like a small town, and I think I've talked about this before. It's like a major fucking city in Australia. And I I feel like that was the only thing I got wrong in my research. Like, I, I really did... I'm not just like shooting from the hip on this. Listen, but it's it's all you know. It's all kangaroos and cunts. True. So, Cairns is uh, where the sort of centerpiece of this whole story. When Getty Beach is north of uh, Cairns, hopefully that's right. It's not. Yeah, maybe not. So her family has been you know seeking justice for her since uh, day one, and there's been it's. It was a huge story, an international story, huge in Australia, huge in the rest of the world. And I covered in that episode, there was discussion of there was a suspect whose name was is Raj Winder Singh. And he had fled to India the day after the murder. And but police hadn't really done anything with that yet. And. They haven't released so much information yet because, of course, he's not been arrested, convicted, or charged with anything else. Yeah, so we don't really know why. I mean, people can leave their families and go to other countries. Like, that happens all the time. doesn't make you a murderer. Men have been doing it for billions of years. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, shit, I got kids now? You know what? I'm going to go see my brother in India. I'll be back. and uh, Or I won't. But yeah, so that happened. So now, finally, the Australian government, and I, again, shouldn't say finally lightly, the Australian government believes they have a strong enough case to be able to convict him. And essentially, in order to successfully extradite him from India, not only do they need India's cooperation, but they have to convince India that they have enough evidence that if he's extradited to Australia, he's not just going to be lynch mob murdered and could actually be convicted in a court of law for the crimes that they're seeking to have him extradited for. Well, how, how good is India with extradition? How do you mean? Well, I know, like, some countries won't extradite nationals. Well, I mean, they're in the process of the discussions, and they're basically presenting their case to India right now. So, I mean, they could make them do all this and still not extradite him, even if they've got overwhelming evidence. It, I also think, depends on the person. Like, there's a difference between Roman Polanski and Raj Wander Singh. You know what I mean? Yeah. One of them's a good director. The other one's... Uh, Roman Polanski. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was trying to do that joke, but I was like, that's not... I mean, he may be problematic sex predator, but he's a good director, so... Yeah. Doesn't excuse the first, but... Name three of his good movies. The Tenant, Rosemary's Baby, and... Uh, Repulsion. God damn it. Knife in the Water. What's the other one? Okay. So, in March of 2021, Assistant Minister to the Attorney General, Amanda Stoker, confirmed she personally signed an extradition request to India for Singh. Ms. Stoker said the Australian government does not typically comment on individual steps taken along the extradition process in an individual manner. However, given the intense community and media interest in the matter, I am publicly confirming that a formal extradition request has been approved by me. So, she said, The next step in the extradition process is to formally lodge the request with India. Leichhardt MP Warren Inch, which I think is a title and a name, I'm not quite sure where that begins and ends, said Attorney General Christian Porter had worked closely with Queensland police to prepare a brief of evidence for Indian authorities Karen's Post reported, We've got an extradition order agreement with India, but a very high level of evidence is required. You've almost got to prosecute the case to have a chance at getting it accepted by India. That's why it's taking so long. They only get one attempt to do this, so they're trying to make sure they get it done right. I really don't know how extradition works. I guess it differs between countries. It does. Yeah, so most countries have treaties with other countries, and that's great. But, you know, typically the way it works is that if you're a country like the United States, 
and you have leverage over another country, which we do over almost every country, just from an economic standpoint, between like all the things we export all across the world and all the rest, uh, you know, you can say, if you don't do this, we're going to bomb you, or we're not going to give you aid, or we're not going to sign off on this IMF thing, or... Or we will give you aid, but it'll be with an S. Yeah. <laughs> or we'll give AIDS. you... Yes. Or, like, we'll charge you more for oil, or, you know, whatever it is, and, you know, most countries will do whatever, but sometimes when there's uh, conflicts of... So, like, if there was a... A crime that was committed that's a crime in one country but not in another, sometimes that country won't prosecute them or send them back because they don't think that's a crime. Because, you know, and uh, most of the time this isn't going to happen. Either it's going to be a non-issue because the person's bad, the country wants them gone, or it is an issue because they're a high-profile person. Mm-hmm. So I just, I just think of uh, the Dark Knight and the Chinese gentleman. I go to Hong Kong. They will not extradite one of their nationals. So we just need Batman to go all up in India and punch the shit out of this dude. Yeah. And drag him back to Gotham City. Yeah, especially because this can take years. I mean, we'll probably be coming back to this in a year or two years with maybe some kind of you know, further results. It, it, you remember, we've covered extradition multiple times because it, this was the guy's name escapes me, but he the Japanese guy who killed Nate, the French chick, and there yeah. was a whole extradition issues there. I think of uh, Charles Ng, you know, got arrested in Canada, yeah. and they made him serve out his prison term in Canada before they sent him back to the United States. There's, uh, was it Karl Unterwager? Was the guy's name? The Austrian serial killer? Jack. Jack Unterwager, I think it is, who killed a bunch of sex workers in Austria, then came to L.A., killed more sex workers, then came back to... Austria. Yeah, because they thought he was uh, rehabilitated. He he stayed at um. Yeah. What's the name of the fu- fucking hotel? Oh yeah 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 the one that Elisa Lamb died at. Yeah the, and oh it's the it starts with an H right? No it's um I know what you're talking about though. No. Yeah, not... there's a documentary on it. Yeah, Elisa Lamb. It's, it's near Skid there. Row. It's on Skid Row. Is it on Skid Row? Yeah, yeah. A and, Cecil uh, Cecil the something? Cecil Hotel. Yeah, yeah. and um. The Night Stalker himself lived there for a little while. Right, right. Yeah, so anyways, extradition's a thing. I mean, if you're talking true crime, it comes up. And, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, that's it. I just thought these these aren't huge updates, but these are still... I feel like them having enough evidence, I mean, at least... To do the... even do the extradition. Yeah, yeah it's, it's huge. Yeah, I, I, it seems as if they think they've got their man, they have enough reason to believe. You know, the difference between... Abby Stepik and Toy Accordingly is huge. I mean, we, we discussed it. Like, Toy Accordingly was, they had hundreds of people combing the beach and the area around that within days and weeks of the police investigation. They were dredging the, the um, I guess dredging isn't the right word, but they were, you know, they were, they had divers, they had helicopters, they had all sorts of stuff. She was found in 12 hours after she had gone missing. Uh, part of that was helpful because they found her car right away. I mean, they had camera footage of her coming and going and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, it was a, it was a regional and nationwide campaign to find her killer instantly. And the cops were all over it. And it sounds like they've really done like amazing jobs. The guy fled to India right away. Like, what do you, what can you really do about that? Not national yeah and and i mean it's also we're also no i think he was his brother lived there and he he has other family because we covered in the original episode his brother kept saying like yeah if they're interested in my brother i don't know why they're not doing anything about it because like he just up and left and it seems really weird and the reason is because you don't want to shoot your shot before you're ready you know what i mean and so this is why it's taken so long well what i was gonna say is he you know america and australia are very different yeah countries very true. Um, especially with certain laws and how they handle certain things over there. Well, the, well, the, the police did very little, inf- gave very little information into the details of the case as far as, like, even originally the nature of her murder, which was fucking horrific and super violent. Like, we still don't know. 
at least the last time I had looked, there wasn't a ton of specifics on it, but like it was like a violent sex crime murder. So you can fill in the details for yourself. But yeah, most of that stuff they kept out of the press and the, you know, the press was good about honoring their side of the bargain and they didn't overplay their hand. Whereas Abistepic was made national news too, but the difference of, I would have to imagine the funding and education level in Australia in a major city versus Little Rock, Arkansas. Sorry, Arkansas, but you guys kind of suck. Dick's li- Dick Fetty's license plate is... Arkansas sucks dick. Yeah. He's nuts. No. So if you That's see my him, front, cops... <laughs> my front vanity plate is, is Bofa. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know what the back one says. But yeah, Sonic the Hedgehog. So that is our that is our uh, little update episode, and hopefully, for those who care, you got something that you didn't already know out of it. And if you didn't, fuck me, I don't get paid. You know what can I say? I did want to mention because it is a incredibly famous unsolved crime, and this is something that happened recently. I'm not going to go into super details about it because I think is it's all bullshit. No, no, no. Oh, we okay. we covered that. We know that's fake. No. um... Zodiac. Oh, yeah, there's a Zodiac development? Yeah, you didn't hear about this? So, some people thought they broke the code and that this one guy was... They they were like, well, if you do the cipher like this and you know his name, like, you... They they made up a bunch of bullshit and they were like, you see this composite sketch, how it has a scar here? Well, this guy, who we think it is, look at this picture of him. You see a scar, right? And, like, they, they said they had all these evidence, but never went into detail. And the guy's dead. So, um, if you guys heard anything about the Zodiac Killer, read the article and realize it's all bullshit. Because mm-hmm. the day that news dropped, I had four or five people send that to me. And after reading the article, and, like, I felt like I kind of mansplained it a little bit, but I was kind of angry about the article. Because it was being, you know, we just talked about clickbait. It was like, oh, Zodiac killer found it's like no he's not and he's never going to be found well you know what, because he's probably what, fucking dead if you crack the code i know what it says drink your ovaltine fuck you <laughs> i do like a christmas story but Mark clark baby yeah uh, d- fucking read the article and realize it's all bullshit okay and it's all very loose uh so but no the, but the movie's good right i love that movie i don't know i've never seen it Really? Yeah, we've talked about this. It's a long, it's a long one. Yeah, we talked about it when we is, watched. Is it Fincher? Seven. Did, yeah, yeah, right, right, yeah, yeah. Anyways, all right. Well, that's it for us. Yep. Later, nerds. Later, nerds. <laughs>